invite you to take a seat as we continue to worship in song and worship and prayer. As Britt said, this day is going to be a little bit different as we celebrate and take time as a church family to pray for our church, pray for our community as we welcome Pastor James and his family uh, here this morning and the first Sunday with us and we pray for them and, and his wife Kristen is unable to be with us. She's home with uh, their daughter ill uh, today and so we were kind of bummed for that but hope she recovers soon. Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 14 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John, and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Elpheus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. If you were to read the book of Acts, you would see uh, Acts covering a, a period of 28 chapters, a period covering 30 years, and in those 28 chapters over those 30 years, we see the concept of prayer mentioned over 30-plus times. It starts in the beginning of Acts, where Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's ascended to heaven, and you have these 120 believers who are gathered, huddled in Jerusalem, praying, waiting on the Holy Spirit, and by the time you get to the end of Acts, 30 years later, you see the church explode, the world turned upside down with the gospel, from 120 people huddled in Jerusalem to the word of God is at the doorsteps of the Roman Empire and, and penetrating all throughout Europe and Asia and Africa as the gospel just goes global. Probably, as I said, prayer in this 30-year period is mentioned time and time and time again. Prayer was not something that was just said before meals or, or, or just said when they needed to cry out for help like, like God is to be our genie and just solve our problem. Uh, prayer was not something that was just taught, t- said before an offering or as a transition in a worship service. It was the lifeblood of the early church. In fact, if I were to summarize in, in just kind of a phrase what the early church was about, what made the church go, I would say something like this, that the early church understood that the Word of God revealed and the Holy Spirit were the engine that made them go, and prayer was the fuel. They very much understood the importance of being dependent upon their Lord and Savior for direction and guidance and power. If you look at Paul's letters, typically they begin with prayer, and it's not an obligatory greeting or a space filler to make the letters seem longer. It was Paul's plea and passion that his brothers and sisters in Christ would be growing in their understanding of who he is. Ephesians chapter 1 is one example. He says this as he's writing to the church at Ephesus. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of this glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Here's really what Paul was saying in his letter as he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, hey, 
in verses 11 through 14, Christ is your inheritance. You are saved by Christ. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit for God's glory. Now, because of this, I want to pray for you, is what Paul says, starting in verse 16. And I'm praying that you as a church would grow in wisdom and knowledge of him, that you would have your hearts open to know him more, and that you would be filled with understanding who Christ is, what he has done, his position seated at the right hand of God, his rule. Simply put, I want you to know and love and live for Christ more is what his prayers often uh, encapsulated. This morning, we're going to take some time to pray for our church as we begin 2020. And this is not going to be just kind of a passive, I pray while you sit. This is going to be interactive. And this may feel awkward for some, and it's okay. And what we're going to do is this. Um, it's going to feel maybe stretching, maybe exciting for some. What we're going to do is in a moment, we're going to stand. And I'm going to encourage you to grab some people around you. And um, take some time to be praying. And this morning, we'll start with just praying for our church. And you see a slide behind me at times that we can be praying for our church leaders, our staff, our elders, our some of our ministries, our life kids that meets every Sunday on the other side of this wall, and here's the Word of God and the Word of God being preached and taught to young hearts and souls. Praying for our, as, as Britt talked earlier, our student ministries, our Echo and Collide, our, our, our life groups, our men's groups, our women's groups. We, we just want to be praying for one another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to encourage you guys to, to group with some people around you. And, and if you feel like, man, I, I, I don't feel comfortable praying out loud, that's okay. You can pray silently. If you want to pray out loud in your group, you are more than welcome to. The beauty of our Lord and Savior that we worship is this, that we could stand up and make 50 different small groups in this room and we can all pray audibly out loud and God is a God who hears all of them. It's worship before Him. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to rise. And I'm going to count one, two, three, go. And when you do, I want to encourage you to grab a few people around you. Take some time to be praying for our church and that the word of God would remain central for us. All right, here we go. One, two, three, find some groups, spend some time praying, go. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship you this morning in song and prayer, we praise you and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that you have not left us to fend for ourselves, to wonder, to guess, but you have revealed yourselves, you revealed yourself through scripture, you have revealed yourself through your son taking on flesh, you have revealed yourself to us through the generations of faithful men and women preserving the word of God. We thank you that we are able to gather this morning and gather each Sunday to come under the word of God to let it lead, guide, challenge us. Lord, I thank you for the men and women who serve here, whether it's in paid capacities, volunteer capacities. Lord, people who are given of their time, their talents, their resources, Lord, to serve in various ministries. Everything from saying hello on a Sunday morning to making sound tech go to, to hugging and loving babies to sharing the word of God with young hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for those who tirelessly and, and, and continuously give out of their love for you. Lord, we thank you for our life group leaders who open their homes, who open their hearts, who open opportunities for people to gather, to gather together under the word of God, to gather together under a right now media video and facilitate and challenge and stretch to, to grow in their understanding and love for Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that loves you deeply, that we would not be a church that's only focused on our own individual growth, but Lord, we would see the desire and need for us to grow together. Lord, that we walking in unison under your authority will accomplish far more for the kingdom 
than, than us trying to go in a hundred different directions. So I pray that we would just have wisdom, that we would lean heavily on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you would give staff and elders wisdom in the way that they lead and guide. I pray that we would listen well and hear well, not only from you, but the way that you're moving in the hearts and minds of our, the congregation as well. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a church that so deeply loves you, so deeply lo- lives for you, so is deeply rooted in you, that when people walk through these doors, they can cry out like they did in Corinth, that surely God is in this place. And when they do so, may we not puff our chest. May we not say, yep, that's how good we are. May we instead let our light shine so we may glorify our Father in heaven. May we point to you and give glory to you and you alone. Lord, I thank you that you gather us together from various backgrounds, various upbringings, uh, various parts of the world, uh, Lord, various uh, economic backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, Lord. All of that is cast aside because it's not about that. It's about we are brothers and sisters in Christ under the lordship of you. And I pray that we would just simply surrender to you. May we give all glory and honor and praise to the one who is truly worthy, and that is you and you alone. We pray all of this in your son's most glorious name. Amen. I invite you to remain standing in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah is writing to God's people who are in captivity in Babylon, living under the command of King Nebuchadnezzar, waiting for God to redeem his people, to bring them home. And, and, the, and what is on their minds is, when will we come home? Will we come home? What does the future have in store? God, have you forgotten us? And Jeremiah writes a letter, and I want you to listen to the words of God to a people who are waiting with anticipation for God to restore for God to deliver, for God's kingdom to come. He says in Jeremiah 29, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives to your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for it, in its welfare, you will find your welfare. You're in a foreign land. You're waiting on God's timing. And as you wait, he says, live a life that is pleasing to God. Work for the welfare of the city. I remember my graduation day at Moody. I was in the basement waiting to kind of walk up with the rest of the graduates, and I heard uh, two individuals talking about where God was sending them and what they were doing. They were talking for a little while, and then one said something that I have, has been ingrained in my mind for the last 10-plus years. He, he said, well, you know what Dr. Futer's wife says, no matter where you go, bloom where God plants you. And this is what God wants his people to understand. They're not there by accident. They're not there um, by, by just happen chance, God has placed them there. He has put them there intentionally to bloom where God has planted for the season he has them there. Now, we just spent some time praying for us as a church. It would be the height of arrogance to think we're the only ones here. We're the only ones getting it right. We're the only ones opening the word of God. We are part of a group of people who are trying to just bring the word of God to Rowan County, who are part of a group of people who are trying to simply be the hands and feet and skin of Jesus Christ. 
And so this morning, we want to take some time to focus in on just our community and praying for our community as a whole, praying for our other churches, praying for our schools, praying for some of the ministry partners we have, places like Young Life and FCA and Power Cross and the Pregnancy Center, Rowan Helping Ministries, people who are hitting different groups within the community who are simply trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You're going to see behind me uh, a group of uh, a t- a text that I'm going to just kind of stumble over my words for a second and stop. And here's what you're going to see. A picture of our ministry partners, both globally and, and locally. And if it looks too small to you, let me encourage you with this. After we end our service and you walk out these doors, to the left of our coffee area is a big uh, bulletin board that says missions. It has all of our ministry partners. If you want to know ways you can get plugged into the community, ways you can be praying for the community, there it is. We want to take some time to be praying for the Word of God in our ministry partners, in our other churches, in our schools, in the community. So, at this time, you're not rookies anymore. You're veterans. You've prayed together. You know how this works, right? You got one game under your belt. You're veterans. All right? I want to encourage you to gather together in groups and take some time. Let's pray for the welfare of the city where God has planted us and that we would partner well with brothers and sisters in Christ who are bringing the gospel to a community that needs to see it. Grab your groups and let's spend some time praying. Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, we pause and we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ and the churches gathered in Rowan County this morning. Lord, I pray that the pulpit would be one where the word of God is proclaimed. Lord, I pray that you would give them words to speak, that you'd give them the courage to remain faithful to your word. And I pray that hearts and lives would be transformed through the gospel. Lord, I thank you for our local ministry partners. Lord, I thank you for people who are willing to be the skin, hands, and feet of Jesus. I think of places like the Guardian at Lytham and some of our foster families even here in this church. Places like Capstone, Gateway, Lord, ministering some very tough environments to some people that are often overlooked in our community. Or I think of the Crisis Pregnancy Center, Lord, and the opportunity that the, the women have there to, to speak to the life that God has created inside of them, the Imagio Dei that is inside them in that womb. Lord, I think of young hearts and minds being transformed through young life and FCA. Lord, I I pray for our schools. I pray for our teachers and administration. Lord, I pray for our students who, Lord, walk through the doors each Monday morning, who head back tomorrow off of break, Lord. and, And Lord, give them the courage to yield to you and not to the pressures of society. Give them the courage to know that you love them dearly. You've made them in your image, you have knitted them together in, in their womb, their mother's womb, and you have placed them there. And may they allow you and not the pressures of culture to be the Lord of their life. Pray that our students would be loved well by their faculty. Lord, I pray that for our, our Christian faculty and, and staff, Lord, in our schools, that they would be the hands and feet of Christ where you have placed them. Lord, I thank you for opportunities that we have to understand and see that, Lord, you call us to reach beyond these four walls on Sunday morning. 
And may we be men and women who partner well, who live well, who walk well, who walk intentionally with ministry partners throughout the community to bring the gospel to a broken world. And may your kingdom be expanded. May you be glorified to the ministries and the churches here in Rowan County. And Lord, we pray that we would always be mindful that we're not going it alone here. Lord, may you be glorified and honored through these ministries and through these churches. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. As we pray for our church and we pray for our community, we recognize we're entering a new season here at Life Church, and we welcome James, our teaching and vision pastor, along with his wife Kristen and their family. And as we said earlier, it's unfortunate Kristen can't be here today. She's home taking care of their daughter who's not well. Um, next week, we get the privilege of hearing from the Rosemans, our ministry partners in East Watani, and they're going to be sharing what's going on through Children's Cup, and we look forward to Pastor James beginning to share from the Word of God on January 19th, and we look forward to uh, his time in that. As we begin this season as a church, I want to take some time to speak into this moment uh, to James, to us as a church, and for things to us to be thinking about and praying for. First, James, I just want to talk to you as a brother in Christ and as a husband uh, man to man, husband to husband. I mean, I'm not like you're my age, so it's not like I'm having to sit down with my son here, man. You know, but as a brother in Christ, I, I have got to meet you just shortly, and I've seen you have a deep love for your wife. And as a brother in Christ, let me just say, I hope that Life Church is a place where both you and your wife can grow in your love for God, your desire to serve God, and that you're able to worship and serve God with joy and freedom. And I pray that Life Church is a place where you both can exercise the gifts that God has given you. James, I've been impressed for many years upon my heart the reminder that the same God who has called you into pastoral ministry and called me into pastoral ministry is the same God who's called us to love our wives well, to love them as Christ loves the church. And I pray, church, that we would always remember and always be mindful that God does not call James or any person to build a ministry on the backs of their family. And may we ever be mindful to be praying for them in that and helping them to understand the balance, and may we lead in that. James, I want to talk to you as a parent. I have three teenagers. You have one. Welcome to the club. And three more on the way. Brother, I pray that Life Church is a place that your children are able to grow in their love and understanding of Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray this is a place that they are free to grow, to learn and explore their giftedness. In church, I pray that we would meet them with grace and love when they stumble as all Christians do. There is no such term as factory worker's kid or teacher's kid or CPA's kid, but everybody knows the term pastor's kid. They're sinners saved by grace like everyone else. And as we as a church remember that, And pray for them as young men and young women of God, that they would grow like we're praying for each of our children. James, I pray that Life Church is a place where Elliot can grow into the godly woman that God is calling her to be. And I pray that the women of this church would come alongside your wife and Elliot to help and shepherd her heart so that she may grow to honor him and serve her king. I pray that we would be men in this church that would love you well and would love Hudson, Isaac, and Carson well, and that they would, we would be men who spur them on to be young men of God, honoring to their king who would lead well, 
love well, and come under the word of God. I share all of this before I even talk about James's role as a pastor because I want us to always remember that first and foremost, his role is not pastor, it's son of God. And he's a father and a husband. And may we always, as a church, be remindful that that is his first ministry. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There are two things I want us to think about in this passage. First, James, I pray that as you shepherd here at Life Church, you would do so, as Peter says in verse 3, by being an example to the flock. I pray that you will shepherd both in word and in deed. And my prayer is that the word of God will impact your heart each and every week before you step into this pulpit on Sunday. And that the word of God will not only be the word of God that transforms our hearts, but is transforming your heart continually as well. And so, brother, I pray that you will lead well in pursuing hard after God and showing daily your need for the cross, just like each of us. Second, I want us to focus in on verse 4 in this phrase, when the chief shepherd appears. I think it's a great reminder for us as a church that James, as a teaching and vision pastor, as well as any pastor who walks into any church, is not the chief shepherd. Pastors are, 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 are underhandlings. They are hired hands who give an account to the Lord and Savior as the chief shepherd. There's no pastor, there's no staff member who's called to fill a role that is going to be our ultimate Savior. That job has already been filled, and he's much better at it than any of us ever could be. May we as a church be reminded and ever mindful that, James, that you will lead and give an account before the chief shepherd, and one day you will stand under him and give an account. And I pray that we as a church would ever be mindful to be praying for you so that on that day you hear the words that I long to hear from our my Lord and Savior, and it's this, well done, good and faithful servant. May we ever be prayerful for you as a pastor and as a brother in Christ. And at this time, I want to invite James up to the stage along with our elders as we take some time to pray for him. Now, you guys are all experts now in standing and praying, and now I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to encourage you, excuse me, encourage you where you're seated. If you want to pray silently, if you want to extend a handout, you're more than welcome. But we're going to take some time as elders just to pray uh, for James. You've got to come front and center here, brother. As I said in the first service, it almost feels like a hazing ritual, like we should have some paddles or something for this guy, you know? And I just really took a somber moment and really made it weird, right? Yeah. You decided to say that twice. That's right, twice. That's right, just once, yeah. Yeah, because maybe, we, yeah. Derek, give him a wet willy when we're in here. Um, it's going to be a joy, brother. We're looking forward to this, right? We're going to take some time to pray for James, pray for us as a church. Please join us in that prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray tomorrow for four hearts that are walking into new schools. Some anxiety of making friends, of fitting in, of connecting well, of new routines, of learning new buildings. Lord, I pray that you would calm them. I pray that the teachers, the faculty, the staff would um, be welcoming pray that you would connect them to like-minded friends. 
Lord, I pray for mom and dad. The anxieties of their children launching to new, new places. Lord, finding new routines, new places to shop, new places to grab food, finding homes. Lord, a new job, new ministry. But Lord, through all of it, one thing is not new, and that's you. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And may you guide this family during this season. Lord, I pray that you would give James a heart that is rooted in you. And Lord, that you would be glorified in and through him. Lord, I pray that as a church, Lord, we would step into this moment with a desire to glorify, honor, and praise you. And that you would be made much of through the ministries that take place here. Lord, thank you for bringing brother and sister in Christ to our family. And pray that together, Lord, we would be glorifying to your kingdom. We pray all this in your son's most holy name. Amen.